So I shaved my ears, lobes. No, not my lobes. The 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 cartilage thing. Yeah, the, the little diamond thing that the diamond out of your thing that out. Yeah. It turns out that I have about a quarter inch long ear hair that comes out of there at my age. Yeah, you know it's I've noticed, and it's I found it's a difficult subject to bring up somebody. Yeah, your your, your ear hair. Uh, you had you had ear hair. You had a lot of ear hair. When I shaved it, I had stubble. Like it's that thick. Like there's stubble to it. Would you ever wax your ears? You know what? I would wax my ears. You would it would hurt. Yeah. But I would I would wax my ears. But I don't know what it would do. Like what it just lets it it would just be gone for a little bit longer. Yeah. And then it sounds like that. that's like it's like putting a, a, a shield on a microphone. You're just you're just fuzzing out the, the noise into your ear holes. I take it back. I wouldn't do it. It's not worth you it. You wouldn't do it. Eh? Would you rather have ear hair or watch the Big Bang Theory? Oh, I think we both know the answer to that. Yeah. Welcome to Radical Apathy, the podcast where two halfwits set out to solve all the world's problems with pop culture references and a lackadaisical attitude. Why not? It's worked so far. And welcome to Radical Apathy. My name is Tanner. I'm Corbin. And today we have our first ever exciting guest with us. Hi, guest. Hello. Hi, guest. Do you want to uh, say your name, guest? <laughs> My name is is, is not guest. Ah. It's Julie Vanessa. Try my best. Uh, but I like guest. Julie Vanessa, uh, JV. Um, thank you for coming and joining us. I apologize for our technical uh, problems. Yeah, it's our bad. We'll be better. Oh, good. Thank I you for having me. Blame Corbin and, and myself for that, but uh, I see you also brought something exciting. What, what did you bring along with you? Uh, some snacks and candies. Super exciting. I like candy. Love snacks and candy. Uh, so I, I assume, uh, being our first guest, you've been listening to us for years? Uh, ooh, you got me on the spot there. Years and years, I'd say. Yeah, you're close. What's, there. what's been your favorite thing about this show that you've listened to? Like, what's, what's yeah. the thing? What's the thing that really drove you into it? Both of you. She didn't listen to us. I don't think Your she humor. listens to us. She listens to us at all. <laughs> um, well, no, thank you very much for coming. Allowing us to uh, uh, pick your pick brains. Your... This is a conversational podcast. Uh, we have some questions. You have an uh, uh, interesting story of life, which we'd like to dive into and get to know and ask some uh, poignant uh, and stupid questions. I love them both. Yeah. And uh, well, we're going we're gonna to kick off to, to kind of go to the stardom. So- one of the first things we ask all of our guests, since you're the first one, uh, <laughs> the first question we ever get to. Okay, what is your favorite movie and why? My favorite? Oh, I got to just pick one? Yeah, just yeah. one. Ooh. Okay, it'd be The Martian if I had to pick Ooh, The one. Martian, I like that movie. Really? Yeah, and why? Because of all the adversity that he goes through for such a long time, and he just doesn't let himself get beat down by it. The poop potatoes. <laughs> poop potatoes. That was genius. All right, The Martian. And you'd watch that, how many times have you seen it? Oh, easily 100 times. 100 times? Although Singing in the Rain, I've seen probably 500 times. Oh, okay. Close second. Is it is it because Matt Damon is alone on screen for so long? What what is that? What is it? Is the poop potatoes? Like what is it? Like yeah, he goes through tough, tough, tough poop. But what is the? What is it? What is the movie? Is it's on Mars? If it was on Jupiter, you wouldn't watch it. <laughs> no, it's the fact that he has to battle 
he's just him and himself and he has to battle literally himself for thank you for so long <laughs> there's so many opportunities for him to just give up and say you know what i'm done i can't do this anymore and imagine how badly you would smell after that because there's no, like there's no breathable air so it's not like it's you can't just open the door and put the potatoes air out no not the him him how bad he would smell did he sh- did he shout he showers at first, but then when he makes his big travel to the other part of Mars, he goes, I don't remember how long, but a really long time without a shower. As as he's traveling. Yeah. yeah. That would be a stinky suit. On the, on the R- ROV, is it called? Yeah. Good movie, though. Did you just make that up? No, I think it's called an ROV. The MAV. M-A-V? Uh, you fool. <laughs> I think. A fool. It's been a while since I've watched it, but I do love the movie. So, JV, we want to talk about, because you got a cool background. Um, you are... Trained to be a doctor. Correct. So can you walk us through like where that started and kind of a little bit of your journey on how you got to where you are? Sure. So (laughs) I always wanted to travel and be abroad. So I went away to med school, um, St. George's University, and I did two years of clinical sciences in Grenada and the beautiful island out there. And then I did all my, uh, sorry, basic sciences down there. And I did my clinical sciences in New York and Miami. And it was fantastic out there. And then I graduated and actually, sorry, before I graduated, I had a hospital that said, you're absolutely in for a residency. We'll take you. Don't enter this thing called a match, which is a system you have to enter to apply for a residency. They're like, we'll take you outside of the match. No problems. And a backup hospital that said the same thing. We love you. We'll take you if you don't go to this other hospital because I knew that was my first. And so I didn't enter the match graduated and as soon as I graduated um, they stopped sponsoring visas at these two hospitals unfortunately so then I had to take another year and enter the match system and then um, in that whole process a whole bunch more almost all the hospitals for my university stopped sponsoring visas so I couldn't enter in the states anymore so I went to Canada I took all my Canadian residency exams and in the interim I went back to my old med school and I worked and I taught and did research down there to bump up my resume took my Canadian exams, applied in Canada, but by then, one, I was a student from an offshore medical school, and two, I'd graduated so many years ago that they didn't want me. And so I am fully uh, accredited or licensed in Canada and the States. I've uh, board certified for both countries, but I am unable to get a residency. And so here I am as a stay-at-home mom. Is that what they said? Because I'm old. Because you're old. You're too old to doctor. (laughs) They only want fresh graduates and they want local graduates. Shiny, fresh doctors. I I would hate a new shiny, fresh doctor. Yeah, who wants that? If my doctor was under the age of 30, I wouldn't talk to them face to face. I don't think I trust them. What are they going to know? What are they going to know? They're going to, I mean, they don't even know their own bodies. Their own bodies haven't stopped changing into adult bodies. I'm still. I mean, look at your ear hair problem. Oh, tell me about it. It's brutal. Question. So you didn't do a residency, uh, but no. you did say you worked and studied or researched or whatever. What did you do for work then when you were down there? So when I went back to my old medical school, I taught at the medical school. So I taught the students there and um, I did research. So I was a clinical tutor and a researcher. What do you research? What do you, how do you research things? Uh, so the boss I had there, he loves research on a million different projects. So what I did, I did a lot of uh, dissections and helped one of the um, clinical professors there as well with her dissections. And I edited a whole bunch of papers. What, what dissecting of like the, the frog thing we cadavers. did? Cadavers. Like actual bodies? Human cadavers. Yeah. Yes. Fascinating stuff. Stinks. How do you get them? How, like the cadavers? 
Do you know what? That's a good question, and I'm not sure how they are. You didn't ask that question. You didn't say, where are these coming from? (laughs) I'm sure they're all, you know, people that have passed that have signed their bodies on to medical research. There wasn't just like a truck that rolled in with two guys in jumpsuits (laughs) saying, yeah, here's body number five for you. Definitely got it right. We do know their medical history. Did you name them? Like, did you have names for them? No. You didn't pay. No, you can't get attached. It's very... Luckily, their faces are covered, unless you're doing face dissections, but for the most part, their faces are covered because you... Face it's dissections? Yeah. What are you dissecting in their face? Well, it's for the students to actually learn the anatomy of every part, so you have to learn oh. the anatomy of everything, every nerve, artery, vein, muscle, <laughs> tissue, ligament. I guess that's a thing, right? So are these, are these people who have donated their bodies to science, is that, what this, is that how you end up being cut up? Yeah, for the most part, yeah. So you just want like... And these are students who are doing it? Where in, uh, so can you donate to any, like, I guess there's probably limited amount of research or, or, or training facilities that you could donate your body to, imagine. like not. I, there's a lot. There? Almost every medical school needs bodies because at least for teaching purposes, they use them. And then there's also going to be professors there that want to do research on this specific nerve, this specific vein or artery or disease process. So how many, like, how many would you get for a class? Like you're, so you're teaching a class how to dissect a body. No, we don't teach how to dissect. Okay. We do the dissection. So they come in and they see, for example, this part of a leg here. And then we tell them is this is leg? this nerve, this is artery. Like not attached to the body, it's just a leg? Uh, it depends. Usually when we're doing certain parts of the body, you just have that part of the body. And other times you have the whole entire body. Depends on which. Have you ever been grossed out by a horror movie? I can't watch horror movies. You can do dissections, but you can't watch a horror movie. Yep. Cannot watch. A, I watched a couple minutes of Scream like 25 years ago, and I've not watched a horror movie since then. I mean, her the people aren't screaming, and she's cutting into them. <laughs> <laughs> They're not actually bleeding. I guess. All right. So let's ask some superficial questions. Okay. So Mc, McSteamy or McDreamy? McSteamy. Yeah, he's the other guy. Right, which one's McDreamy? No good reason, McDreamy though. McDreamy is Patrick Dempsey. Patrick Dempsey. And McSteamy is that, that other guy. I don't remember his real name. He's he was the other guy. Yeah. With the, with the salt and pepper hair and Mark, Mark Sloan or something his name was on the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so which one? So you're a Grey's Anatomy person. No, I'm not. Trust me. But you know McSteamy and McDreamy. Well, everybody knows that, I thought. I knew, I knew the names. I knew it meant yeah. two doctors. I didn't know whom they were for, like which doctor was which. Yeah. So which one? Steamy. I don't know why, hey. though. I don't have a good reason. That's just where my gut goes. Okay, I'm going to explain some Grey's Anatomy synopsis to you, and okay. I want you to tell me what you would do. Oh, okay. dear. Okay. Okay. So, a female gets in a car crash, and after some s- scans were done, her organs were all out of place. Mm-hmm. What, what would you do? It depends specifically what organs were. I don't are know. They? She said organs. <laughs> it's a very open question. Okay, hold on. Her heart is now no, it yeah, died. Her sp- yeah, her her lung. Yeah, there you go. Spleen and liver are now in opposite places. Go. <laughs> well, first of all, I would see the condition of everything that's connected to it, being the vessels, that are, the nerves, and all that. And if they are in good shape, I would actually let observe for a while. We do this. Did the science? You just see what happens. Make sure everything's good. But usually, you just put it all back. Okay. Next one. Okay, a patient shows up demanding that you amputate their foot because they don't believe it's theirs. Oh, there's actually a medical condition for that. Yes. Like to to not believe it's their body part? Yes, yes. Not my, Um, I think it's, I think it's not my footia. 
not <laughs> not my footy yet. That's exactly what it is. I'm not but a no, player. actually, you can you do a vow to do no harm. So to actually remove their foot would cause them harm, but you'd have to put them through a lot of psychological um, treatments so that they could be a lot better and understand that their leg is actually there. So I know that's a question I've always had when, when the doctors say they do the, the, the Hi- Hippocratic Oath. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that something you actually, like, do you stand in we front of the judge it. doctor and, and do it? Like, how do you do it? Uh, in front of your medical school, you do it. All as an entire group when you graduate. Like a chanting, like... <laughs> we won't do no harm. The greater good. <laughs> no, there's no judge there, but your medical school, your family. How, how long there. is how long is the oath? Is it like two lines, or is it like it's, a whole thing? No, it's a it's a. Is the is the oath the same in in the United States as, as it is in Canada? We took. I mean, I don't know. I've never graduated in Canada, but we took the same one that there is in the states. It's gotta be close to the same. It's, it's be gotta to be the, the same, same, right? Because there's a C. OU or something? Hippocratic. You x-ray someone's <laughs> bowel obstruction and you find 10 Barbie doll heads in there. <laughs> yes. It's Question? actually not an uncommon thing. Yes. Not an uncommon thing? <laughs> well, I don't know what specific Barbie doll heads, but lots of foreign objects in there. Oh, yeah. Okay, so what do you do? Lots. You take it out. How? In surgery. So you go in like through the pelvis or are you going? Depends on how far down it is. Yeah. Get, get, let's... A lot of the times, you can just get it up, go up through the back end. But like, do you, do you use like, like, like pliers? Like, what do you do to pull? Like, what do you do to pull them out? <laughs> well, I haven't done general surgery in terms of uh, residency, but yes, in terms, of, I'm sure that most cases you would just go in through the back end. Fascinating. That is fascinating. There are cameras that actually have attachments to them, so it's like a camera and a tube, and then you can actually pass different tools like little forceps and grab. Have you ever had the? Uh... The old, hey, how are you, by the doctor yet? Uh, no, but I have had a colonoscopy, and I'll tell you this, true story. Isn't w- that what you were talking about? Went... That's what I was talking about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, oh, I thought you were talking about the fingers up the ass. No. The colonoscopy is where they put a camera up, and you're out. You're, you're, I, was, I was asleep. and But when I came out, my ass has never felt better. Really? It was a weird feeling. Like the hole? Just everything. It was like, it's like they gave it a tune-up. It was all lubed up or something. I don't know. It was amazing. Really? Yeah. Maybe, you know, maybe that's just something to ponder. How was prep, though, for you? Uh, uh yeah, yeah. You know what? You know what? Drink, drink. They make they you make drink. drink. It's really, really gross. gross. I don't like, I don't it, like it, at it at all. all. Um, yeah, no, yeah, that, no sucks. that sucks. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the, the prep, prep sucks. We do the prep. Lots of laxatives. They got to clean you out there. And so it's not fun. It's a day it's and a half and, of and you don't cleaned get to out. eat either. Which sucks. Like it's not fun. You're hungry and you're yeah, it's just terrible. How how long are you not allowed to eat for? I think it's twenty four hours. Yeah, twenty four hours. Right. Yep. All right. A female gets into a car crash because she has uncontrollable orgasms. Spontaneous multiple orgasms. This is actually a, is it a Grey's Anatomy thing. Yeah, it is a Grey's this is all from Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. So what what do you do? Ask her what she's eating. <laughs> I'll have some of that. I have what she's eating. What do you, I mean? What do you I mean, aside from the injuries? Aside from the injuries to the the car accident, why do they need to do anything? Sounds awesome. She can't control herself. She can't drive. She probably can't. You know who knows what's going on. 
And I bet you that would be a pain in the ass after a while. Like, so have you heard it of this in real be. life? I have not seen this in real life. No, actually. Is, is that, have you ever heard of it or is that just no. a completely TV show thing? No, I, I haven't heard of it, but so women don't that have doesn't orgasms. mean that it can't be a thing. I knew it. Incontrollable multiple. Or just orgasms. Confirmed. Confirmed by a lady. Uh, multiple orgasms. That's a thing. Uh, confirmed. She said earlier it didn't happen. <laughs> but ones that just come out of nowhere for no reason. That one. Uh, a kid uh, has a playground accident and gets and encased in concrete. concrete. And the concrete, the concrete is sapping, sapping the, fluids the fluids from his, from his body, body at a rapid, rapid rate. rate. I don't like this one. I don't know why I picked this one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's how concrete works. It's, I don't, it's like, it's taking the, I don't care. Let's skip this one. <laughs> I do remember that one. The problem, though, was that he, he couldn't drain his bladder. That's maybe what it was. So what, what happens, if, took care what happens of if you don't else. drain your bladder? Well, because there's no, because he was in concrete in this episode. So there was no room for expansion. And it can actually back up. If you can't actually pee, it's going to back up back into your kidneys and cause a lot of problems I'm not going to tell you Pigenerial failure. how I know this. But I know, okay, well, I can tell you how I know this. I know a 911 dispatcher who took a, took a call for, for ambulance services and someone was vomiting feces out of their mouth. So you could back up. Yep. That happened. Oh, you can back up all the way up. That's crazy. Yeah. Imagine that. Mouth poop. Mouth poop. <laughs> uh, thank you for coming to our podcast. I love this. <laughs> Mouth poop, Mouth poop and, and concrete, concrete sapping go. Okay, last one. This one's a little ex extravagant. Okay, potentially schizophrenic patient is admitted for trying to rip her own eyes out, but it turns out she has a tiny hole in her inner ear, which makes her able to hear all the noises from her body. What do you do? What do you, <laughs> what do, you do? You fix it. <laughs> I love how so every answer goes. You just you just doctor it. So you just be the doctor. Yeah, just fix it. Is that so, is that a thing? Is any of that yes? Real? Uh, holes in the tympanic membrane uh, generally cure themselves, um, but sometimes they do need to be repaired surgically. So, yeah, sure, the hole in the tympanic membrane could cause that for sure. I wonder why she would rip her eyes out for it. That seems weird. It looks cooler on TV than it looks cooler off. on TV. Yeah. <laughs> Although I did have a patient that uh, ripped a nurse's eye out. What? That was fascinating. I wasn't there for the actual story, but I saw the nurse afterwards, and she told me her story. And, uh, yeah, I was in the forensic psych unit. It was quite the story. Now I'm... So it was a crazy person. Yes. <laughs> yes. And was it, was it... I wouldn't say crazy. She has psychological condition. And was it because they specifically wanted that nurse's eyeball because they liked it? Or is it like, oh, I think that eyeball. Oh, I'd love to get into her brain and hear her thoughts. That would be amazing. But no, she was a sixteen-year-old girl, and it went for just... the eye. Yeah, not, it went for the eye. Not a lot of people in today's world, I think, can say they ripped out eyeballs. You know, that seems like a like a medieval type of thing. Like, I'm sure there was a lot of people back in the day that were like, oh, yeah, I've taken seven eyeballs out today. But nowadays, how did they even learn back then? They had schools. They're just very religious schools. That's, that's gross. I don't like it. <laughs> but yet you love horror movies. Oh, yeah. I like horror movies because those are people that aren't trained. 
I I also hate horror movies, as we've discussed. Do you really? Yeah, I don't get that. Like, we'll talk about that another, even more. <laughs> the so, so, thank you for answering doctor questions. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you 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 come back to come back to Canada. Uh, you you find that you're too old to be a doctor, according to Canada. So what does uh, what do you do next? What's the what's the next step for JV? Well, um, when we found out that at least for now it's looking like a residency is not an option, um, we decided to focus 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 on getting the family sorted out because I was waiting to get my residency before we had kids. But we're like, okay, well, we may as well start having kids. So we had our son, and then we wanted two or three ideally. And we've been working on baby number two ever since my son was born seven and a half, well, almost eight years ago. Eight years ago, yep. And that's been a roller coaster and a half, to say the least. I've gone through eight losses, two rounds of IVF, and yeah, here we are still trying. As because it's something you've gone through from a medical standpoint, as as because you're medically trained, is do you ever kind of have that? That expertise bias where someone's treating you medically and you're like, no, no, that's the fuck, that's the wrong way to hold that, you dipshit. Like, do you ever have that? All the time. I can't even watch medical shows anymore. Right? No Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> no, I can't. Can't watch Grey's Anatomy. House is the worst for it. House is the worst for it medically in terms of doctors would not do the things that they do, especially trained in that field. Yeah, me and Tanner can't watch podcasting shows either. It's just a appalling to us. I try to listen to podcasts and I'm like, <laughs> no, this, this is absolute garbage. You guys don't know what you're doing. They've not even they haven't even had JV on yet. So how that takes us to to dancing, yes, or, or well, how does that, that fit into to where you what you do now? So I've been dancing since I was three years old. It's always just been a part of who I am. So growing up, I was always saying I want to be a doctor and a dancer. I said I wanted to be a doctor and an actor and um, a dancer and a doctor and a blah. But those were always. The, the constants. Um, so dance has gotten me through everything in life, really. So even when I was finding out that uh, interviews weren't going as I'd hoped or all of this, and dance would get me through it, and performing, getting on the stage is like my endorphins to get me through everything in life. Which uh, speaks to a little bit of how we met you to begin with on yes. our show, as you were one of the other actors of the show we were on. Um and you also were one of the choreographers of that show. Yes. So through dancing, um, as I've gotten older, I started teaching and then, you know, given the opportunities to create as well. And I love creating dance of all kinds. So last year, um, I auditioned for Evil Dead the musical. And they found out about my dance and choreography history. And so they invited me. I got cast um, in uh, one of the smaller roles, but uh, they had asked me to be the dance captain for the musical, which I was super psyched for. And that's kind of how I got my foot in the door again for musicals. I did them as a kid way back when in South Africa. And then, and then I got my foot in the door here, and, and Allie and I kept bugging our director to do another musical until he finally agreed to do Toxic Avenger. And then we met you guys. And what... So, because I remember for The Evil Dead, because I watched it, I wasn't in it, but you guys... How many people did you have in your dance kind of troupe or had to, did you have to manage? It was still a fairly small cast, even with all the zombies in it. I'm going to say it was like 11 or so. And is, what's, what's average, what's an average dance class? Like what's a manageable, is that a high oh, number or is that a medium number? 
dance class, um, that's medium. Yeah, we get up to twenty five ish kids in a class. God, that's a lot. What's what's what do you? What's the best thing about teaching dance? <laughs> the best thing about teaching dance. Oh, just watching kids get that joy that I feel when I perform, when see that light just light up in their eyes and their faces. It's you can't put a price on that. What's the worst thing about teaching dance? Other other than teaching me. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to you. I actually like teaching you. Yeah, because that was bad. <laughs> you picked on ponies way better than I ever thought you would. I can do one thing. It's like, not, it's not that good. <laughs> it's good. Um, the worst thing about teaching dance, that's a good question. Um, when you give a correction a hundred times and it just doesn't get absorbed that's a little a little frustrating so shitty kids is the worst thing yeah just terrible shit speaking of which what what's the meanest thing that you've had to say to a student and did you mean it you got me there i don't now and just for people listening jv's the nicest human being on the planet um so it'll be so her answer you might think is still really nice but sorry go ahead I really don't know. I mean, this weekend I felt pretty bad when I had to tell some of my dancers that uh, they need to practice a little more because I think they can do a lot better. That's the meanest thing you said? <laughs> if you guys could just, hey, you just uh, if you just want to practice a little bit of your days off, that'd be really great. Probably said please, too. <laughs> it's the worst thing she's ever said. And they're walking away, fuck this bitch. bitch. This is the meanest <laughs> fucking teacher <laughs> dancer in her head. <laughs> I feel like I didn't say it very nicely. <laughs> how, how old were these children? How old were these children? How old were these? Fourteen-ish. Uh, oh yeah, they're they're bad mouthing you as soon as you left. Like fuck that bitch. Oh, totally. Fucking tell me not to goddamn practice. I practice all the fucking time. I assume that's how fourteen-year-olds talk. I was going to see if we're allowed to swear. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> I, uh, you you had to teach Corbin and myself. Uh, I, Corbin, correct me if you disagree, but I think it's fair to say that neither one of us were super historically well dance trained. No, that's definitely a blue into is not in vocabulary. So on a on a on a grading scale, um, from where we started, let's say we started at F, because I'm sure we did. We're we're that shitty. And be honest, you're not going to hurt my feelings. You're smiling. I want to be honest. Where where did we end? After like five months of training dancing, we went from an F to where would you grade us individually? Considering your characters and who they were in the show, I thought you guys came up to like a good solid A minus. Bullshit. It's called bullshit. <laughs> it doesn't feel right. <laughs> Diane was Diane 100% in every one of her dance moves. That's you. That was you. That was me. Yeah. She, yeah. Well, I tried to butch it up a lot so that was mostly me just trying to make my way through it and it worked perfect that was right <laughs> <laughs> and tanner i was quite impressed at how your hips moved when you were doing the girls roles like quite impressed uh yeah that's just actually how my hips move i didn't that's actually impressive. do anything that's just wow. i have a very uh effeminate hip well done yeah. my dad always used to say that he said it meanly though <laughs> but uh it, it worked it out worked. something. You just got to find the way to make it work. Worked great. Um, before we get into, oh, do you want to give her a few more questions, or do you want to do the oh, thing? Oh, let's do the thing. Let's do the thing. Okay. Um, um, 
I read a lot of a, a, a long thing, thing, and now and we have a bit of your backstory back. laid out. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to, with your expert opinion, and Corbin and I being experts, uh, uh, a podcasters, obviously, but also be pop culture reference referees. Um, I wanted to finally, and uh, and and fanatically identify the best, the best uh, fictional doctor that's ever existed. So I made a list, and we're going to have a tournament of elimination. Okay. Uh, between the three of us, uh, I have leveled them off, as you can see here. As you can now see, Jamie. Oh, yep, yep. We are going to go through them one-on-one, eliminating each as we go until we have, finally, the best fictional doctor that ever existed. Uh, Corbin, you talk as I set this up. All right. We're starting with. Do you want to go first bracket? We're doing uh, Doctor Nick from The Simpsons. Have you, do you know? Are you familiar with Doctor Nick from The <laughs> yes. Simpsons? Hi, everybody. Yeah, and he's paired up against uh, Doctor Frankenstein. Okay. Okay. So, and we're just asking her well, who she thinks is better. It's actually it's we have a three way. So if you guys disagree, then well, we'll have a third person to try and break it up. But you can you can both. Everyone gets an opinion. Hers means. Yeah, okay, I'm going to go with Dr. Frankenstein. Dr. Nick is, is well, his his shtick is that he's inept. And so uh, I'm going to go Dr. Frankenstein because he literally built a human being. And, yeah, Dr. Frankenstein's the best for me. Yeah, I'm going to agree with that. Dr. Nick was both ethically very wrong. Shady. And he didn't know what he was doing. But Dr. Frankenstein, Frankenstein, I can't talk today, was... Also ethically totally wrong in what he was doing, but he actually seemed to know what he was doing a lot more, have a lot more medical knowledge. So you're what you're doing. both better with a amoral body stealing doctor rather than an inept doctor. Yeah. Well both of them were amoral, so oh. lesser of two evils. Okay. Is is body stealing is the lesser of two evils? Okay, <laughs> <laughs> hey, locked in. Frankenstein. Dr. Nick, you're out. All right, next up is going to be, okay, Dr. Miranda Bailey from Grey's okay. Anatomy. Yep. I think I know where this one's going right away. And then Dr. Greg House. Oh, Miranda for sure. Yeah, okay. Because House was, he was what's, his, what's the story with that guy? I never watched that show. Okay, and I, didn't, I, didn't, I never actually watched Grey's Anatomy. So I had to quickly look up something of the doctors. I, had, I scoured the internet for, to get doctors I didn't know. So Miranda Bailey, for those of you who are cool like me and never watched this, uh, she's often referred to as the Nazi by her colleagues uh, with a blunt but tough personality. Um, kind of a big emo, ego, but uh, thought to be a very good doctor, portrayed by Chandra Wilson. And we have Dr. Uh, Gregory House, who uh, wonderfully played by the comedic actor Hugh Laurie. Um, Diagnosis doctor is his thing, right? But he's also an addict for, for opioids. Um, but he had a lot of narcissistic... Quick one-liners, dark comedy kind of thing. But yeah, Dr. House. Uh, and What's your take? All right. I, 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 I'm not familiar I'm with House, so I'm going to go with Bailey. Bailey. Why? Other, other than that. That's the only reason. I don't know the other guy. I don't know anything about House. Although, he seems like he's allegedly super smart, but or too maybe too smart. But if he's that smart, it seems like he should be in charge of doctors and not... Uh, doctor. I don't know. If that, does that make sense? If you're the smartest guy in the room, you should be in charge of everybody? I don't know. Weird. 
Do you have a take, Tanner? Uh, I've also only seen one of them, so I'll let you decide. <laughs> well, of the two, both of them, medical knowledge-wise, epic. <laughs> um, but uh, House was very egotistical. I love the actor. He is incredible. Um, and I love, actually, both actors. But she had a warmth and a kindness to her. The the Nazi. Yes. I, that description, I wouldn't even say, is quite I've just saw off the internet. Great I've never seen her. her. I've never seen it on TV. She she had a lot of better bedside manner for the patients, and House was all very egotistical and had horrible bedside manner. So for that reason alone, I would pick her. Okay, two Bailey. All right, Bailey's taking House gone. I didn't think he left. This is gone. Take us. All right, next up we got Doctor Michaela Quinn, medicine woman. Oh, wow. Versus Doogie Howser, MD. Emery Lane with her. Yeah. Doogie Howser, of course, is Neil Patrick Harris. And uh, what's her name? Uh, Jane, no, Jane Seymour is Dr. Quinn, medicine woman. So she was, uh, she searched for an old adventure in the Old West, which sees her land in Colorado Springs. And once there, she becomes the town doctor and constantly tries to change their attitude to modern medicine. And then who's the other doctor? Oh, it's like Doogie Hauser. If you're not, he's a child prodigy who's also a doctor. He graduated from Princeton at age 10. My kid's 12 and a moron compared to this kid. And finished his medical degree four years later. He can't buy beer, but he can prescribe drugs. Uh, yeah, what do you think? Who, me? Yeah. yeah, what do you think? Well, that's a tricky one because I never watched. I never watched Doogie Hauser. Um, but my dad was a child prodigy, and uh, he graduated, I think it was at 23, with his specialty on top of his MD. Wow. So what was he specially in? My, uh, obstetrics and gynecology. Okay. okay, okay. Yeah. I don't know. It's a woman doctor. Um, so for that, my heart kind of goes to him, but I never watched the show, so I'm going to have to pick Dr. Quinn, because I did like that show when I was growing up. Yeah, it's pretty good. What do you say? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go Dewey Hauser. I mean, he's a prodigy. He's the, like... He's like the benchmark for trying to get through school. That's cool. No, I did, and I loved his journals at the end of the shows. Ooh, um, tiebreaker. Ooh, this is the first tiebreaker. Um, I really, I really enjoyed the idea of Doogie Hauser because I was, I mean, I was quite young, but seeing a younger person do adult things always kind of hit a mark with me because I liked the adult things. But I, you know, medicine woman Jane Seymour, a Bond girl. I gotta go with Doctor Quinn. Wow. Okay. So you're saying her previous resume as a Bond girl makes her a better medicine woman? Yes. Okay. Uh, okay. This is going to take us down to our second to last bracket. Go. All right. We got Dr. Fraser Crane from Fraser and Cheers fame. And then Captain Hawkeye from MASH, I believe. Benjamin Franklin Hawkeye Pierce. And you, you go do the synopsis of these guys. Uh, well, for those who are are young, we got a really young audience. Hey, that's pretty. You know, we talk to all the ages. Uh, who haven't seen Mash? Uh, Hawkeye was the protagonist of Mash, performing life saving surgery one minute and making wisecracks and partying the next. Uh, and then we had our uh good friend, uh, Doctor Crane, who wanted to bring in some. Not just MD doctors, but I guess we'll still be an MD doctor, right? When you're a therapist, okay. So I still thought I'm an MD. Uh, yeah, Kelsey Grammer, Doctor Crane from Cheers, which then went to Fraser, which is now uh, been redone. 
on Apple, I think. Apple? It's Hulu. I don't even know. I have no idea. We'll double check. But he's back. He's doing a show again. Everybody loves Frasier. Um, which one is going to win in the tournament? Um. Okay, so I got to go with Captain Hawkeye because I never liked the show Frasier at all. Hawkeye just and and not because I like Hawkeye, just because he's like the less of my two hated things. Because I hated Mash too. I hated both shows, so I don't really like either of them. Sorry, you're saying Frasier? I'm gonna say Crane or Captain Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Mash. Okay, and JV. For me, I actually liked Frasier. I watched that quite a bit. Uh, we actually had a puppy for a very short little while, and we named him the same name as Dog on Frasier, just because we liked it so much. Um, Eddie. Eddie. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go with Frasier, and I never really watched MASH, so I'm going to go with that one. Uh, I actually like both of these shows. Um, ooh, ooh, uh, ooh, that's tough. I think because I think he would be more liked by a bigger audience, I'm going to go with Hawkeye. Because some people yeah. are put off by Frasier's smartness, although I'm a big fan of the humor. I'm going to say... Captain Pierce. It's Hawkeye. Hawkeye's going to come for you. The life would be fun. All right. Who's up next in our bracket? Okay. We've got Dr. Christina Yang, who we all know, and John Dorian. Who's John Dorian? I'm going to tell you who John Dorian is. <laughs> John, oh, <laughs> oh, oh, I know. JD. You have to say JD. You don't say John Dorian. From Scrubs. From Scrubs. Oh, Scrubs. Yes. You got to play. Yeah. So JD versus. Uh, uh, Dr. Christina Yang. Did you watch Scrubs? Yes, I did. I, I watched that show I religiously. Watched, yeah. Loved it. And Loved Christina it. Yang, for those who, like me, don't know, is another Grey's Anatomy uh, person. So Grey's Anatomy, Scrubs, what do you got, J.D.? All right. Christina Yang, probably medical knowledge-wise, knew more than J.D. Um, but J.D. worked his butt off, had cared about his patients so unbelievably much and would go above and beyond for any of his patients. So I'm going with JD. Christina Yang also would tend to have some not great bedside manner at all. Um, Again, two shows I've never watched. What? I've never on either one. I've never seen an episode of either one of these shows. But just based off of JV's description, I have to ask myself, do I want a doctor who's nice or do I want a doctor who knows more? And I Well, here's the thing. I'm going to interject. Okay. JD would ask if he didn't know. He wouldn't just say, he wouldn't just assume, okay, well, I'm not really sure. Let me just do this. He would ask. And he'd get yelled at by his boss. I think I'd rather have my doctor know. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go Dr. Yang. So it's one JD, one Yang. Oh yeah. JD wins all day long. (laughs) All day long. No, you need to, you need to remedy that. You need to watch that show. It's hilarious. It is hilarious. Very good. All right. Up next, <laughs> in our last bracket, we've got Dr. Leonard McCoy. That's from Star Trek. Oh, yep. Okay? Yep. Dr. McCoy, or Bones as they call him, versus Dr. John Carter. And John Carter is from ER. Is that George Clooney? George Clooney. You don't know? You don't know. No. Have you ever watched you ER? Watch ER? I've not watched ER. Okay. Ooh, okay. Oh, well, yeah. okay. We need to know which one this is. Okay. It's it's got to be George Clooney. Yeah. So Leonard McCoy from Star Trek. He was just they were just generic doctors. It was like they were specialists in everything. And it looked it on the show. 
he would take this device and just push it up against them and be like, this is what's wrong with them. <laughs> he never actually knew any actual medical knowledge, it didn't seem like. He just had this machine that told him everything that was wrong. Uh, Which famously, Star Trek is this from? Famously couldn't save Gorkin in the best Star Trek movie ever. Star Trek Six: The Undiscovered Country. Anyway, yeah. take the mic away from him. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, yes. yeah. Bo- uh, I mean, bo- yes, they had a lot of technology because it was in the future, but he had to be able to diagnose thousands of different aliens and know what fixed and what didn't. So you're just not even going from humans. No, 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 no. I can count on 15 hands how many times he says, I don't know. He, he said, I don't even know their anatomy. I only know human anatomy. He was dumb. He didn't do anything. Yeah, but then he figured it out. Anyway, uh, John Truman Carter III of ER fame, played by Noel Wilde. Oh, uh, Wiley. Looks like that gentleman there. Oh, okay. Um, um, he, so ER, right? We have Dr. Doug Ross, Dr. Mark Green, Dr. Benton. Uh, all could have been picked, um, but we like John Carter uh, because unlike everybody else, uh, he was there for most of it. <laughs> and... Uh, from what my sister used to watch the show, sounds like he was mostly likable. Kind of the play it safe dude of the show, but he's also there for most of it. So I I assume they liked him. So Dr. Leonard H. McCoy slash Bones. Dr. John Carter, go. I'm I'm doing one of those things where both get disqualified in the same round and then just promoting the other bracket. I don't don't like either of them. You can't do that. Uh, <laughs> you must pick Doctor Bones McCoy, I guess. I'm surprised we didn't go for Scotty. Scotty was—he's not a doctor; he was an engineer. Scotty. So who says, "Damn it, Jim! I'm a doctor, not a." That's that's Doctor Bones. That's, that's oh, that's Doctor yeah. Bones. Yeah. Oh. Scotty was a Scotsman named Scotty because this was <laughs> the sixties. <laughs> okay, I have not. Well, my husband's going to kill me. I've not watched either, and he loves both shows. Yeah, so it's hard to say. Hard to say. I mean, I'd go with ER. Are you going guy. to ER? I'm going for ER. I'm going to go with McCoy just because I like Star Trek. Oh, and I've never seen ER. All right, he wins then. Uh, that's our first all bracket done. Round of applause to the three of us for being awesome. Quarterfinals? Quarterfinals? Frankenstein? Dr. Miranda Bailey? Yeah, I'll say Bailey, just because of uh, the ethics. Um, I was going to say Frankenstein to be different, but it doesn't matter what I say. So we'll say Dr. Bailey there. Uh, that takes us to Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman and Dr. Hawkeye. I mean, one's like a war hero, basically. That was the Vietnam War, right? Korean War. That's what I meant. Are you sure? Very. Korean War. I don't... The country with the North and South to it now? Because they had a war they fought in the 50s? Okay. I didn't remember that. I thought it was the, the, the Vietnam War. Um, I'm going to go with Hawkeye Pierce. Ooh, yeah, well, I'm going to give. Same. I'm going to say Quinn, and I'm going to make you choose now. <laughs> I'm going with Hawkeye. <laughs> All right. Now we are down to John Dorian, JD, or Dr. Bones McCoy. A easy one again for both yeah, of us, I JD. think. JD. Yeah. Okay, well, I guess my answer doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, it takes us to our semifinals with 
Dr. Miranda Bailey and Hawkeye. No, Quinn. Quinn Rowe. Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Okay, Dr. Dr. Bailey and Dr. Pierce. Hawkeye, go. I think we're still again. I'll go with Dr. Bailey. Yep, same Bailey. (laughs) Flying in here. Uh, Okay, so that's our finals with Dr. Miranda Bailey from Grey's Anatomy and J.D. John Dorian from Scrubs. I have not seen either, so I am going to say J.D. No, you know what? I'll go last because you guys probably have more into this, so I'm going to change my answer. I'll go last. You guys go. Okay, I'm not saying... Okay, best doctor is probably Bailey, but... The most entertaining doctor is definitely John Dorian. I'm going with entertaining. John Dorian. Oh, no, I'm going with Bailey. She would do anything to save a life. I mean, JD would too, but knowledge, bedside manner, and uh, yeah, I would go with Bailey for sure. And and the the tournament bracket is best fictional doctor. So I think I will have to go with Bailey then, uh, judging what you guys said. So Miranda Bailey... It's official now, for the first time ever, appointed the best fictional doctor in all of our uh, all of fiction. fiction. Well done, Bailey. It's a fun exercise. It was fun. Did we miss any doctors? Were there any doctors that didn't make it? Do you think there's a lot of doctors that didn't make it? I tried to. There's a there's a lot of different lists. Top ten, top fifteen. Because like Doctor Strange could have been on there. Strange was on there kind of it, but but he was he lost his ability to doctor. Still a doctor. Yeah, but again, not the best doctor, right? So I tried to... Well, he was the best doctor, and then he got hurt. I don't know. Either way, Doctor Strange. Um, JV, um, what percentage do you think of hospitalizations are like 60 and over? Like, is it is it is it healthcare or is it health prevention? What is it now, do you think, in hospitals? I'm, you got me there. I'm not in the hospitals. If well, I, I mean, was, what I do would... Think? <laughs> what do I think? You, Ask you the know question more again. than us. <laughs> What percentage or what? Well, what do you think? Like, is it like, is, do you think uh, it's 60 and over? Like, is the majority of patients now? And is it, and is it health prevention or health care? Like, what, is there a difference? So those are two separate questions there. So 60 and over um, being the majority of inpatients yeah. that are staying there overnight? Yeah. No, no, I'd say it's a, it's pretty square across there. Um, preventative family medicine is where all the preventative measures are taken for the most part. Once you're inpatient, it's usually all acute care. So they're treating something that needs to be treated right this second that will be treated quickly. It's not something that's going to be taking years as in preventative medicine. So inpatient care is mostly acute care and it's not really preventative treatment curative so there um attempting to be curative okay so this is a personal question i've had this itch on my left foot (laughs) right here this spot for the last like right there i'm not even lying to you for the last last 10 10 years years. like it feels feels like someone's someone's poking poking something into that that spot spot. and it's making it itch yep how do i fix that (laughs) do you have any tingling or numbness numbness anywhere no tingling just an itch it's driving me nuts any pain anywhere in your leg? No pain in my leg. Interesting. Interesting. It's probably a nerve compression somewhere, but... Can I I'm uncompress sure. that? I, I, I'm not lying to you. Like, I'll sit there and I'm just itching the same spot on my foot over and over and over again. 
Yeah. And there's like. Is the skin look any different? No. No, it looks completely the same. No bumps, no redness, no, no raising. No bumps, redness, rash, Temperature nothing. changes, nothing. Just an itch on my foot. Yeah, that's probably nerve. Uh, a side question. So for the last 10 years, I've snuck into my friend's house while he's sleeping and I rub a feather on his foot. <laughs> so that's the type of mental problem that I have. So there's your nerve right there. <laughs> Got to get that nerve taken care of. What do you think? Uh, what is there a secret about healthcare that nobody else really knows? A secret? Yeah. Like something that? No. You don't think so? I don't. Well, that I don't know about. I mean, I I wonder if there's a lot more to certain treatments for chronic diseases that uh, they're taking a lot of the money where people could be treated. I've always been suspicious of that, like diabetes, cancer treatments, um, hypertension. I wonder if there are some better treatment, curative treatments out there. But the big pharma world is kind of hiding that because there's a lot more money in pushing the medicine out there. They got it. Like, yeah, the money's in the medicine, right? It's not in right. the cure. Yeah. So, like, there's I mean, got to be something for the cancer case. by now, right? I would hope right? that that's not the case, but there's always a wonder, you know, because money's what runs the world, well, unfortunately. Every, I mean, every six months, I see something in the in the in the news or whatever saying, "Oh, this new thing, it's curing all the cancers in the rats. That's we're going to be done in cancer." And then, and then it and disappears. Then, and then they're about again. Is that just because it fails and they don't talk about it, or is it is there a different reason why that doesn't happen? Do you think? It's. I would wonder if it's a fifty-fifty thing, you know. It fails and then it fizzles out, or it's actually going to be quite beneficial. But the big pharma world doesn't want to let that out. So a big uh, theme with our podcast is we 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 want to dig into people's backgrounds, but we also want to know how and what they do. Like, what what do you do to cope with whatever comes your way? Like, what what is your interests? What is your hobbies? What is your whatever it is? Like, what. What helps you cope and what are your thoughts on coping? Yeah, I think it's absolutely necessary. Need, everyone needs to find their their way to cope. And there is no one cure fits all for this because everyone's different. Like, uh, for example, some people do not like the spotlight in any kind of way and other people crave the spotlight. Um, some people crave the spotlight and they're not good at it, which is totally fine, too. I think that's kind of where I'm at. I'm I absolutely love being in the spotlight, and I would do all the things, but I'm not trained for all the things. Um, Unlike Corbin and I, who were you guys, I actors, know. just trained up, basically professionals. Totally. Yeah. Please continue. <laughs> so dance has been a survival mechanism for me. As much as I like love it, it has uh, saved my life in many ways, um, and so that's why I stay in it. I actually went one year without dance when I moved to Canada, uh, two years when I moved to Canada. Uh, and it was unfortunate because I did have a dance teacher that told me I was seven or eight years old. And no, no, sorry, I was 10. She told me I would never become anything in life because at the time I couldn't do a triple pirouette. And so I quit dance for a while and I'm sad that I did that. I mean, it, it took me probably about three, two, three hours to learn how to do it professionally. So, I mean, it's tough, right? It takes, it, takes right. a lot to do the thing you just said. That yeah. Have you ever uh, danced, danced in an empty warehouse by yourself because the town priest would not allow dancing in school? Go ahead. Is this coming from a personal story yep. here? Yep. 
this is what I need to hear. The answer, unfortunately, is no, but I want to hear your side about it. Uh, it's a when... movie with Kevin Bacon called Footloose. Oh. I was hoping that you did that. Yeah, I totally did that when I watched Footloose. Have you not seen Footloose? No, I haven't as seen a, Footloose. As a, as a dancer person, you've never seen Footloose? Oh, man. I know what homework's going to be. Yeah, homework is watching Footloose. Oh, we got to get to that. Oh, homework speaking of which, we got to talk about that homework. Yes. Look at that. Look at that. But yes, dance. So, dance is a huge one for me. Um, but then there's small things that you can do. Like, I, I very much enjoy um, writing in my diary, which I don't do near enough, but every time I do it, I feel better for it. Um, reading, doing something simple, like just taking a couple minutes and finding something creative to do, even if it's terrible. I'll sit down and I'll draw with my son. I'll paint with my son. I'll do something creative. I love doing a whole bunch of crafts and asylum. So I, I'm hearing a lot of uh, create creating uh, yes. as, a, as an outlet. Yes. So what's, what do you find the difference between, or if, if there is one, between your dance to when you're acting? Do you find that's a different outlet? Does it, does it, does it help you in different ways or is it just being on the stage the same thing? Stage of any kind is what does it for me. I love it. Dancing, acting, singing. It's a new one and I enjoy it quite a bit. Singing is a great one. Throw on some music and sing as loud as you can. That one releases a lot of endorphins. And all of these are medically backed, which is kind of cool. I was going to say that's it's, it's medically backed. So like that, it's proven that if I dance and sing, it's it's a stress reliever. Is that, is that it? Is okay, yes, cool. yes. It's a stress reliever for me when I watch you dance and sing. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's uh, okay? So when you think of JV dancing. What's the one uh, moment that comes into your mind that was that was your apex moment of of performance? What like what was the performance or thing you did? Like when you when the first thing that comes to mind, you're like, oh, that dance that I did, you know, that one thing that you always come back to, like, oh man, I just I just fucking crushed that. Mm, I am an unbelievably self critical person. So that is a very tough one because everything I've performed, I think I wish I could. I I know I could have done that better. Um, but no, there's lots. Mr. Mark and Miss Candy are two of my dance teachers that I've had for ever, and they've created some incredible pieces. And the dances themselves will be in my bones for as long as I can have my memory, which I hope is a while. And then dancing in New York, I got to perform uh, with a troupe in New York, and that was kind of a bucket list thing. I got to do. Walk us through. What does that mean? What do you do in New York? Uh, I uh, went and took some dance classes in downtown Manhattan, and then one of my dance teachers invited me to join his dance troupe, which is a hip hop troupe. And I am not a hip hopper at all, but uh, yeah, I joined them and performed around uh, on like Broadway, like the street Broadway, which was like seriously awesome. So, what kind of, if you could only dance one type of dance for the rest of your life, what would it be? Modern, only because it's what a my body can do now. Describe modern to me. Modern is very open-ended dancing. Um, you take technique, uh, a lot of ballet technique, and open it up and interpret it your own way, basically. But it's not balletic at all. Did you ever watch So You Think You Could Dance? A million times, A million yes. times. I'm sad I don't have it anymore because I don't have TV. Oh, you don't have TV anymore? Well, that's the thing. Everyone just gets streaming now. Um, okay, so so you think you can dance was on, and I I'm going to make an admission here. I I actually watched a couple seasons of So You Think You Could Dance. It's a good show. And then as you watch So You Think You Could Dance, you think the more you watch it, the more 
you're able to be a real dance critic. And I was very critical of these people. But what contemporary, let's talk about contemporary dancing. Because on So You Think You Could Dance, it was like, the, it was like dancing feelings is what it felt like. People were just, and they always put their hands up to the air like this and shook their hands like they were, again, trying to preach or get someone's attention upstairs. And it, I don't know. And and they always rolled around on the ground. There was a lot of yeah, rolling. What, there's a lot of floor work. Contemporary dance. <laughs> so contemporary and modern over the years, they've kind of merged into being interchangeable terms. But contemporary actually comes from ballet technique and modern comes from separate dancers that have kind of created their own form of dance. But a lot of, it's just open-ended dance, basically. Um, and it depends on the choreographer who's doing it. But what you're talking about is movements to the words. That's actually lyrical dance when you're dancing out your feelings to the words of a song. That's technically lyrical dance. Is Jennifer Beale the goat? No. Is Jennifer Grey the goat? <laughs> there is no one goat for me. Oh, okay. Historically, who's the best? Is there... Who would... Maybe not the best. I mean, Dancer? Yeah. I would say Twitch. I don't know who that is. He's on So You Think Good Dance, and he was the DJ on Ellen's TV show. If you ever watched that for more than six seconds. But he's, he's not with incredible. us anymore. She had a lot of she had a lot of DJs, didn't she? Well, there's like a new DJ every time I saw the odd show there. There'd be a guest one when Twitch couldn't make it, but for the most part, it was Twitch. And he's dead? Yeah, he didn't make he, it. Oh. Yeah, unfortunately, but he was incredible. I think he was actually amazing. Um, Going back to your thing that you were talking about before, if you're comfortable. Um, is adoption on the table? I would adopt in a heartbeat, um, but the decision is not solely my decision. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I have to respect the other side of the decision. That's fair. Yeah, I'll, I would do absolutely anything. I would do surrogacy. I would adopt. I would adopt an embryo, uh, do all the things. Unfortunately, money is a huge thing that there is no more of, um, and it's very expensive. We're almost $60,000 into IVF expenditures here, which is a lot. Yeah, that is a lot. I, and we had talked about that before. I, I had friends who gone through the process as well, and they, it, I wasn't ready. Obviously, as someone who has no children nor understand how children work, I wasn't ready for that amount of money, especially in our country where a lot of things you can get mm -hmm. uh, to, to have to pay to go through that kind of process. Was that one always blows me away? Yeah, uh, especially because there are some provinces that will cover one round of IVF, but Alberta is not one of those provinces. Right. The. Uh, the, the dance that, or I guess stage work, I'll say, because they'll throw acting in there, that allows that kind of outlet for you. Is there is there kind of a level to that? So when you said sometimes you'll even write in the diary, you'll you'll uh, uh, take a few moments to, to create, whether drawing, whatever you're going to do there at home. Is that, are you getting the same alleviated feeling from getting thoughts down on paper to going like a full-on practice for a show to then be on on stage lights up like is there do you strive and go for the stage point because that's the most uh, like relieved feeling or is it kind of an arc or how does that how does that equate to you I guess it, it is for sure an arc but then there's the um realistic what can I do specifically in this moment so like 11 o'clock on a random January when I'm not cast for anything um all I can do is something I can do quietly at home because it's just my son and I at home. So I have to find something. I can't get on a stage and perform. I can't. So you kind of do what you can in that moment. If if the, there's an opportunity to perform, that's always the preferred thing for me. I does that answer the question at all? 
Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's the way it works for you, right? And that's and that's kind of thing we want to, you know, we're not here to solve problems because, you know, there's always going to be problems and who cares? But we'll throw out options if people like things they hear, then they can take it and try it. If not, you don't have to. Do what works for you. But uh, for you and the the few months that we've we had together uh, working, um, what what was your favorite thing about working uh, with us? Now, keep in mind, uh, Corbin and I only exist off of praise and and ego stroking. So, if you can really focus most of it on that area, I would be appreciated. But um, just because, I mean, there's a lot of firsts, I think, for a lot of us uh, doing that together. Uh, what was something that you would uh, hope to do again? Maybe what's something that you would uh, change if given the opportunity? Uh, to work with you guys again? Yeah, or yeah, or doing that kind of thing we did before. Well, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm hounding Mr. Mark literally every day that I talk to him to try and do another musical for us. And Mr. Mark, he's a, one he of the local... A- uh, Runs a Go dance, ahead. runs a dance house here in town, and uh, he is he is a stud, and he with, is. Uh, uh, he he really made a lot of that get through us. So, big love for Mr. Mark. Yes, massive. Yeah. Um. So choreography wise, that those days when we'd work on choreography, or days when we would just sit around and laugh about our lines, go through our lines like kitchen, kitchen dick will stick with me forever. <laughs> the line That's a line that Corbin had that he combined two separate lines in one, and I will laugh about that forever. So just laughing about anything in the moment with you guys, whether it be dancing, acting, where you are on the stage, what we're doing, what someone's wearing, it doesn't matter what it, the context of the laughing is about. That is what I strive for in creative moments, and that's what gets me through. So I don't have to think about a loss that I just had, or will I keep this pregnancy or whatever? What am I going to do for a future career? I don't have to think about any of those things in those moments because I am just living in the moment with you guys. And I, for that reason, I want to create with you guys specifically again. Well, with the entire cast that we had, because you all just let me forget about any worries and just live in the moment. And that's the best thing in life, I think. And you can be honest, it's just us. Just us. The other two yeah. didn't bring much to the table. But um, my favorite thing, uh, with your performance in there, and because I, I, I'm not lying, you're you're painfully nice and play. You're one of the nicest people I've ever met. Um, and the character you played is the villain. Yeah. Um, um, and to watch your take uh, from early on and just the beginning when we're we're running through it still with open book, uh, to your take on her to when we were on stage and watching your transformation from JV to then becoming now this this uh cartoonishly evil human being um was always a joy for me to watch because to to because that that's a, that was a big hill to climb um but then to watch it come out and become this evil person was one of my favorite things on that show one of that specifically that about you guys is what i liked the both of you because i it took me a while to realize that i could do that role and i i am a very people person so i don't want to offend anybody ever so it took me a while to realize that I could do that role and I would not offend you guys. I could just have fun with you guys on stage. And we can't be offended. Yeah. But at first I was always worried about it. So I kind of held back for quite a while. I think it worked. I think it got better as uh, as you went along. And I think I think your, your best night was our last night. To be honest with you, it was really, Last night was so much it fun. It was really good. Um, it, was good it was a good fit. Uh, I think we should talk about homework now. 
Yes. Tanner gave us some homework, and I know me and JV have some thoughts on this homework. <laughs> um, so, JV, the, for those of you who have, don't know what we're talking about, the, the previous episode, we challenged each other to take a look at something, read something, consume something, uh, and then we come back in and we give our honest thoughts about it. And uh, so me and JV were tasked with watching uh, a video of a D&D game, uh, an Elden Ring D&D game. Uh, and so uh, I've never watched one before, JV. No, nope, not I've on never your playlist. Either. Okay. Uh, so um, I want uh, Tanner's just brief thoughts on on what you gave us, and uh, we'll go from there. Okay. Uh, there is there is countless Dungeons and Dragon playthroughs on the internet that you can watch of different groups playing, um, all kinds of. Good ones, bad ones, and difference. Because because the point of D&D, you can play D&D in a lot of different ways. You can be very role-play heavy, where you're playing your character and you're having a lot of conversations and, and talks. There's some that are just very mathematic-pushing numbers and battles. So I wanted to find one that was a bit more, A, entertaining. Maybe not for the layman, but for someone, not a lot of rule-heavy stuff. Because I think that's that's a that's a hill to climb if you're not used to the, the rules. So... Um, the critical role is the one I had them watch one of the critical role one shots. Um, and for critical roles, the, I guess the, the most best known, uh, D and D live play out there. Um, they're kind of one of the initial big pushes, which kind of kicked it off, but, uh, they have their main campaign that goes on for years and years. And this was kind of the one shot that one they did for the Elden Ring video game release. So more entertaining kind of a side of, of what I wanted to give you. Maybe not the perfect representation of a true D&D game, but uh, that is more or less what it is. So your thoughts? Yeah, you go ahead, JV. What did you think? <laughs> okay, so when I first uh, got cast for this, we had a big get-together with all of us, and there were quite a few people on production and cast that have played this, and they brought up Dungeons & Dragons, and we should play, and I've heard of it before, Never played it, never seen it, never heard of it. But I was like, yes, because I love you guys specifically as individuals. Your humor is so great. You're just great people. So I'm like, this has got to be just a go, 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 seeming super fun game. And I was very confused when I watched the video <laughs> as to what was going on. It was uh, it was difficult for me to watch. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I couldn't get through the whole thing. I know. I couldn't get through the whole thing. And... Uh, for me, it was uh, <laughs> uh, they were pl they were playing ca characters and they were talking to each other in their character voices and character. And then the guy who was in charge of it, what's he called again? The dungeon master. And the dungeon master seemed prepared, like he had a bunch of stuff. And I'm like, where do you get this wild story from? And 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 the script. But asking me to, and this is just me personally. Like if I was in that position, and someone asked me, tell me about your character and where you are and describe things i'd be like blank like i would just draw a blank and i wouldn't i would i i don't think i would excel in that and none of that is done off the cuff that's that's all pre-work done and that's where the rule set comes in like there are rules to the game that you have to follow there are certain numbers that are allocated and it's, it's if you've ever played an rpg video game where you make your character you choose a class and you put your numbers and your strength to your dexterity or whatever that that all happens before the show so they've They've created the physical character numbers that they will roll the dice with to make whatever they need to make. But then the the backgrounds, like their character story, is something that them as the person would create. So And you have time. So you would have, you know, anywhere from a week to a month to 
you you make up your backstory. Why is your character who they are and what are they doing there? Why are they there? Is there Yeah, in a regular D and D game, yes. So in a in a regular game, uh if if I was the if I was the dungeon dungeon master or game master, um, yeah, I would say, okay, this is the you you would often have what's called a, a session zero. So you all get together, you don't necessarily play the game, but you'll go through and say, Okay, here's the setting that we're gonna play in. Um, whether just high fantasy, magic and swords, or Conan the Barbarian, no magic and swords really heavy violence only or you choose what works. Uh, you hopefully go around the table and say what everyone's good or, or not good with. And you say, okay, that's where it is. So then they you go away and you make your character and you can talk to your dungeon master and make a thing that works for your character so that when you're playing that character, you're more engaged with it so that you have, you know what you want this character to, to think or to do or how you want them to develop. So all of that was done prior to the show. And so now they all know that going in. Uh, and then that dungeon master has that story laid out in their head. Basically, you're, they're creating, they're making it, he's making it up as he goes or pre does a lot of pre-work and lays out the world and then lets them do whatever the hell they're going to do in it. And the roll, the dice, the rolling of the dice, that's where I got really, really confused as to what's happening because you couldn't see what they were rolling. Right. So the, 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 the main, you roll for basically three things in Dungeons and Dragons. One uh, is, is what they call ability checks, is to see how well you do something. There's attack rolls to see how well you hit something. And then there's saving throws, which to see how well you avoid something being done to you. So you have your numbers attached. There's a bunch of different stats, like your your athletics, your acrobatics, your persuasion and deception and stealth. And all those numbers are pre-made up in your character. So you roll a 20-sided die or a d20. And then if you say, oh, I want to try and sneak past the guard and go into the bathroom, the dungeon master would say, okay, roll me a stealth check. And so you roll your d20, and whatever number that gives you, you add your stealth number, which is already pre-done. And whatever that number is, it's how either good or bad you do at it. Uh, obviously, the average is 10. If you get closer to 20, that's really good. If you get closer to 1, that's not good. You're going to fail. And then the dungeon master's job is to describe how good or bad you fail or succeed at that thing you're doing. So that's the game of it. And then the rest of it's just role play. And does he come up with like consequences then, or? Yeah, yeah, they often will. So if you're, if you want to persuade the king to give you his kingdom, which is an outrageous thing, but you know, and you got to roll for it, and you roll a, like what they call a natural one, so you roll a one of failure, they'll probably kill you on the spot. You'll probably have you'll be so. Offended. So then, are you out of the game for the rest of the game? Yeah, if your character dies, you're out. If your character dies, that's you're, you can come back as a new character, but you'll have to make a new character because that character would be dead. How do you win the game? By having fun with your friends. That yeah, doesn't sound. I, I need. I need to. Well, I just want to know how to win the game. I need to win things. Like, there's a lot of games out now. Like, uh, the kids will play Fortnite or or the Call of Duties or whatever. And there's no winning. Like, there's no end to the game. It just keeps endless Minecraft, endless game. I need that satisfaction of winning something. Is there winning in this? Uh, there, there, there can be, yes, there can be a specific goal that you have to reach. And once it's reached, you're done, but some keep playing. Some say, Hey, that one's done. Let's do the next thing. So you kind of continue on and you can play them for as long or as little as you want. So it kind of depends on what you as the group want to do. If you want to say, Hey, as soon as you touch this MacGuffin, you win, go. So it depends on what you want to lay out. So you can do those. That's kind of nice thing. You can make them whatever you want. Yeah. 
Uh, what do you think, JV? I, 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 uh, I think we have to sit down and try it. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I gotta, I gotta be in it, I guess, to to really get the idea of it. Because, yeah, I don't know. It's it's inter- it's it's. Uh... Are there ever like Star Wars or Star Trek themed? Yeah, it's always dragons. And do I always have to have a weird fucking name? Like, can I just be John or something? Uh, there you you can do it basically in whatever world you want. It can be Star Wars. It can be Star Trek. You can do whatever you want. It's there. There are options and and games for all kinds. Um, there's there's a thousand different tabletop role play games out there that you can play. Uh, no, Corbin, it has to be a ridiculous name every time. You can't have a John. Like it's like I was watching the video and like everybody's name had multiple consonants next to each other. Like there's not enough vowels. <laughs> I just. <laughs> I just don't want to have... I can't make that name up. Uh, if you had to make up a name right now for Corbin, what would it be? If he was a, if he was a, an elf archer, what name would you give him? I would call him Pflanderflin. Pflanderflin the archer. But he goes by Bob. I go by Bob the archer. <laughs> <laughs> See, I pulled a Corbin there. Just total blank when you put me on the spot for that question. I don't know. <laughs> um, Anything else you want to ask us about this? Uh, well, just, I, I guess, was there enough there that you would be willing to try it? Or is this, did that turn you off immediately, for, I guess, from the homework stand? I want to try it. Yeah, it was, uh, I, would, I, would, I would have to, yeah. But with the right group of people. Like, I wouldn't go into a room of strangers and try it, but I would do it with you guys. Like, Yeah, and I would, I would like you guys to know that ahead of time, I'm going to be the one with the least amount of imagination in this game. And I'd probably hold the game up somehow because of it, unfortunately. I think you'd make us laugh. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. I don't know. I yeah. I don't know. It's it's a it's a thing. Um, we'll try it and we'll report back. We'll see what happens. Um, every week we have a top five, and I think it's my week for a top five this week. Um, except this week we're doing a bottom five. So every year, what I do is I go to the movies, okay, and I watch as many movies from the year that I can. And I keep a list on my phone and I rank the movies. Um, I have a couple movies I still want to see in 2023, so they're not going to be, I, I don't want to give up my top five yet, but I'm pretty sure my bottom five are going to be the same because I'm not going to go to another shitty movie this year. So this is the worst five movies I saw in 2023. Number five, The Pope's Exorcist. Did anyone watch The Pope? Oh, no, you guys don't watch scary movies. That's what I was Russell wondering, Crow, are these all going to be scary movies? Uh, and he was a, an, an exorcist in Italy, I believe, and uh, he had a funny accent, <laughs> and uh, it was it was just a, a, I've seen a bunch of exorcism movies, and so this was just the worst one I've seen in a long time. Go ahead. So, a quick question, because I haven't seen it. Is this, is this Gladiator Russell Crowe? Is this regular fat Russell Crowe? Oh, yeah, no, this is, uh, this is, this is now Russell Crowe. It's a 2023 movie. Yeah, he's he's comfortable. I just I'm a big fan of Fat Russell Crowe. I just because you can tell he's like he's like I don't give it I don't give a shit I don't give a shit what I look like now. I've made my money. I can still act, but whatever I'm act, I'm gonna be a fat old dude in whatever I act from now on. And I, I respect him for it. Yeah, no, he's still got that uh, that quality to him. And uh, he was his best Fat Russell Crowe role was uh, uh, Nice Guys. Remember that one? That was my favorite movie that year. I loved the Nice Guys. Okay worst fourth worst movie i saw this year to catch a killer 
is what it was called. And it was like a smaller studio one. It starred Cheyenne Woodley and Ben Mendelsohn. And it was a New York police officer trying to solve a serial shooter murder type thing. Um, the whole movie was was uh, um, just bad quips and bad uh, uh, cliches. And I really wanted to like because the trailer was super good. But then I watched the movie. I'm like, this movie's terrible. So that was my fourth worst movie. Have either of you seen any of these movies so far? Yeah, I wanted to like it a lot, and it didn't work out. Uh, third worst movie I saw is a movie called Sisu. Did you see the trailer for Sisu? Did you Did you watch Sisu? Did you like Sisu? I really enjoyed Sisu. I, I worked, my partner at the time uh, is is Finnish, Finnish. He's from Finland, born and raised. So we saw the trailer come out, and him and I were both like, oh, we got to go see that movie. Uh, and I, th- I think we knew what it was going in. I'll let you do the synopsis, but uh, I, I really enjoyed it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Have you seen it? Oh, so it's basically this guy who's a farmer, a gold prospector, I think, gold prospector, and he is just walking the country, and uh, Nazis kind of uh, cross paths with some Nazis, and they steal his gold, and they beat him up, try to kill him, all this stuff, and turns out he's a super soldier, and yeah, just because the just because Rotten Tomatoes likes it doesn't mean I liked it, um, and. He tries to get his gold back and get revenge on the Nazis who cross paths with him. Um, I think it was a, a very stylized John Wick attempt. But I think the movie struggles when the main character doesn't talk. And I think that that's it struggles a little bit. Um, it was a little outlandish at times. Um, so... Because it's because it's trying to be a serious one, and then it kind of goes off the rails a little bit. So um, I wanted to like it. I did. I wanted to like it, but it turned out it was the the third worst movie I saw. I I liked it because I agree. Sometimes they they have movies where the the lead doesn't talk unless it makes sense. If this is a he was a vet of World War One, where he was like a a well known renowned killer of of Germans back in World War One, so he did a lot of dirty shit in the war. Uh, he goes to way up north along the border of Finland to go because his wife died or or they killed his family. So he kind of gets his pension. He goes and lives alone with his dog and wants nothing to do with anybody. So it makes sense that his character doesn't talk because that makes sense. People who just don't talk in movies with no reason, like if there's no reason to it. I don't, sorry. But the um, I, I liked it because the the point of it was to let's have fun blowing the shit out of Nazis. Yeah. And and they and they do you can tell they're having fun coming up with all kinds of ways to fucking explode Nazis. Um which I think was part of the fun. I think this this actor the uh, who's apparently very very well known in Finland like he's one of the best uh uh actors in Finland apparently as per my my uh, friend who is from there. Um but the uh, you put a dog in there, right? And you put some threat to the dog, and then you can do whatever you want to the person. That's that's the easiest way to to be as violent as you want to a human being while still being the good guy. Is that they're going to threaten a dog, and now you can literally do whatever you want to them, and you're still a good guy. Name another movie where they threatened a dog and they took revenge. I'm just saying it's it's it was done before. This was just a different story around it. Um, so yeah, I've seen it before. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, it very much wears, uh, 
uh, what it's copying on its sleeve. Like it's very, much, I don't think they'll hide from it. Um, but I, I just like how they did it. It was something different. Uh, Jorma Tomila uh, was the actor's name, if I'm saying that right. Probably not, but I'm going to forget that name really quickly. Um, the second worst movie I saw this year was a movie my son made me take him to. And it was The Meg Part 2, The Trench. <laughs> so, anyone see The Meg Part 1? Nope. No. No? Okay, so The Meg is a, a giant um, uh, megalodon, prehistoric great white shark, basically, that uh, comes out of a, a trench uh, and comes and starts attacking people. and starts eating. So it's like Jaws but a megalodon, except not good as Jaws. And part one was actually kind of not terrible. Part two was actually really terrible because about three quarters of the movie is not about the shark at all. It's about a interpersonal thing that he's got with another character that they're trying to fight him with. And they're stuck in a, a base underwater and the shark's not attacking the base or anything. And so it's not even about the shark. And so the shark is like the first 10 minutes and the last 10 minutes and the rest of the movie is just trash. And then it, it was, it was terrible. I looked at my son after I go, that was the worst movie at the time. That was the worst movie I see that saw this year's son. And he's like, what are you talking about? Is this because Jaws is your favorite movie? Do you have, are you holding it against a higher pedestal? No, no, because I didn't mind the first one and like, it wasn't a good movie by any means, but it was not bad no, no. it's not because of shark movies shark. I don't lump them in like that there's there's never going to be a good uh, an amazing shark movie like Jaws ever again but I look at this as a horror movie like or an action movie and it was neither one of those things that was good do you consider Jaws a, a horror, movie, horror movie JV yeah. and if so would you watch it me I I never watched Jaws but I love the Jaws experience at Universal I'm sad that it's gone well you can always watch the movie because it's amazing. And do what I do. Show it to your kids. <laughs> My son freaked out at the first couple of minutes of Spirited last night. Spirited, the Christmas movie. Couldn't sleep all night long because of Spirited, the Christmas movie. What happened in the movie? Well, it starts out with a Grim Reaper in it. And he saw the Grim Reaper and he lost it. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, the worst movie I've seen this year was a movie called The Infinity Pool. And it's Not a movie with uh, the Skarsgård guy, Alexander Skarsgård, and Mia Goth. And not many people know Mia Goth. And I, again, Tomato Meter says it's awesome. I absolutely hated this movie. It was horror movie. It, I don't even know if it's a horror movie. It's more like a. So here's what it's about. So it's about this guy and this girl who are on vacation at a nice place, and something happens where someone dies at their hand, and. They don't know that the, the laws in that country, like if you fuck up, you get killed. That's that's you just die. But unless you pay a, a large amount of money to get a replica of yourself made and that person has to get killed and then you get to live with the replica dies. And so you're sitting there watching all these replicas get killed and you have to watch them and they they they. The, the, the characters watch them and then they continue the movie and they're like, well, as long as I've got money, I can go. And they, so then they find another group to hang out with that have lots of money and they, every night they go and just do stupid shit. 
and then just pay off their consequence every time. So it's happened much, much like over and over and over again. Yeah, I know. I didn't, uh, it just didn't click with me. It was actually one of the few movies that I almost, all, and I never do this, and I almost just turned it off. It was that, it was that bad to me. Uh huh. But yeah, that's, that's, that's my worst, worst top five, sorry, bottom five for this week. Bottom five movies I've seen in 2023. You're going to have to share your top five another time with us. Uh, what about just, just the worst movie you've seen this year, JV? <laughs> I don't think there is one. One at the bottom. Oh, well, they all had good stuff to them. See, she's painfully nice. Can't, <laughs> won't even say bad movies. What was yours? What was your worst movie you saw this year? Um, that's a good question. I had so many. What was the What was the Marvel movies that came out this year? Oh yeah, Ant Man was terrible. Marvels was terrible, and then Guardians was the other Marvel movie. I think it was Ant Man. That was such a letdown of a movie. Ant Man was my, I think, seven or eighth worst movie I saw this year. Yeah, just none of them are good anymore. Um, came okay, a bottom five. I think so. Our our whole plan was we're gonna have a top five list, and I don't think once of any of these podcasts we have stuck to the top and or the five <laughs> of that of that plan. What did you do on the other one? Uh, first week we did uh, the top seven, or the, I ranked the seven Mission Impossible movies. And then last week, Tanner told us his top five video games of all time. Yeah. So you did a top five. I follow the rules. That's right. I, it's my bit. I didn't do it. I can do whatever I want. Um, so that's all for today. First off, we want to thank JV for coming and sitting down with us and telling us her story and telling us all the the fun things and putting up with our silly questions, but also our serious questions. Um, it's really important for us to know how people uh, cope with their daily lives and and uh, how they apply that to, to, to every day going forward. And always keep in mind that most of this stuff doesn't matter. Try not to care because you can't be hurt if you don't care. Uh, Tanner, do you have anything you want to add? No, JV, thank you for uh, Look forward to hopefully you come back one day. And we can uh, kind of go off the next step. Yes. Uh, do Do you have any homework for us? Do I have homework for you guys? Have you watched Singing in the Rain? If I have, it was a long time ago. Yeah, I don't, and and I don't know if given the opportunity, I will. But uh... no, I'm just going to send you one clip, one clip from, from it, it, and that'll All be right. your homework. Um. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll watch the clip for sure. Um. The other homework we're going to have today because I think it's my turn. Um, sure. We are doing another movie. We're gonna. I'm going to start doing a three part set over the next six weeks, and uh, we're starting with Shaun of the Dead. Crayon series. What's the name of that? The Cornetto trilogy. The Coscoscoyodio trilogy. Okay. Now, do you consider that a horror movie? Or are you too scared to watch that? Uh, Shaun of the Dead. I can do. I've seen that one. All right, we're going to watch Shaun of the Dead, and uh, that will wrap up this year, this, this not this year, but this uh, week's podcast. And uh, thanks for listening. Radical Apathy on uh, Facebook. We got Apathy Podcast on Twitter. And come check us out. Share us our, our show with uh, someone you know. Thank you very much. Hi, thanks uh, for having me. Day.